Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander joined by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we've got a Wednesday slate full of games here, 14 on the docket for us to talk about on Wednesday's NBA massive slate here. We're looking uh, back for a sec at Tuesday on that little weird slate. Not a great night. It's kind of like a no bet Tuesdays moving forward, I think, where you just get these three games and there's some weirdness there. But uh, either way, we went uh, a total of two and six on the night. So to end the month of October after a couple, not even a full uh, two weeks, really a week or so in the season, uh, we are 28 and 27, up 2.85 units. We will take it. We're gathering data. We're learning a lot more right now as we move forward about what these teams are. Um, But to be up 2.85 as we're learning, you know, it's pretty nice to be like experimenting while also making money. So we'll continue to get better here moving forward. I think we've got some pretty solid bets on with so many options here on Wednesday. Uh, This one is our best bets video. We also have play a props up for you, bringing both of those to you each and every weekday. So like this video, subscribe to the page and continue to follow along with us. Also head to the lines.com. Check out the odds finder tool we have up there. You can use that to make sure you're getting the best juice available to you in all of these books, giving us bets this NBA season. Nate, let's get into a game that like I think might actually be entertaining you talking about the Hornets and the Rockets hey it's a big slate so we've got things to choose from as people who want to be optimistic and take overs um, you know I think you can pick the right one here and I think it's depressed in terms of the total for Houston right now it's 221 or 220 in some spots for this total Hornets at Rockets and I think it's depressed because you know Houston is playing at the slowest pace under Udoka. I don't know if it's about him or about Fred Van Fleet slowing it down, trying to get more half court. And and they're scoring only one-on-one a game, shooting very poorly. But <clears throat> against Golden State, Orlando, and Wemby and the Spurs, um, not necessarily easy matchups. The Hornets, I, I, I mean, I think their offense is also a little undervalued because last year they, they didn't have LaMelo and Gordon Hayward going at the same time very often. And they didn't have this third option in Brandon Miller, who I think, you know, really makes me feel best about this bet is that he sort of got unlocked last game, 36 minutes off the bench, 22 points, pretty effortlessly. Um, And then the Hornets showed no interest in playing defense against the Brooklyn Nets, put up a nice 129 defensive rating. They're playing at a 105 pace and they're also shooting poorly from three. So I think there's some positive regression for both these teams to hit a few threes. But more, I think the Hornets will kind of draw the Rockets out of their shell a little bit. Let Jalen Green be that freewheeling uh, attacking presence that he wants to be. And he's enjoyed this matchup, 33.5 points per game on good shooting in two against Charlotte last year. Fred Van Fleet, when it did get into a slower game when he was with Toronto, had 20 assists in a game against Charlotte. And the low-scoring Raptors scored 128 Um, you know, Charlotte, like I said, did not go over very often last season, but they did go over as road dogs, pretty much their only consistent thing there. They're plus two and a half here. Houston, for what it's worth, four and oh to the over when in their rare spots as home favorites. Um, so I think it's a buy low opportunity in terms of game state for the Houston Rockets who have just played some really ugly clunky games. And, um, I haven't seen props up yet for Brandon Miller, but I would probably be taking 15, 16 points for him. Um, I know this is pretty much, you know, a bunch of recent college graduates out there. And we're talking about maybe the best player, the best scorer in college basketball last year. I think you'll feel right at home in this game. Yeah, that's funny. It's there. There are going to be a lot of uh, really solid players that could still be playing in college 
or the G League or or Overtime League as well if they wanted to, like Amin Thompson, who'll be playing in this game. I, I thought about taking the Hornets in this game. I, I trust them more for sure. I, I know that there's a, a few more vets on, on Houston, and I, I definitely don't feel comfortable taking a team that relies on mostly players that are younger than 24 to be good for it in the Hornets versus a team that at least has a few vets at this point. Not that they've put anything together, obviously, in the Rockets. I think the, the over is the, the better play for sure. Like, honestly, the, the Hornets actually play a little bit better defense at home. So, you know, getting this game on the road for them, run and gun, that this this should be a good one um, in terms of points. And, yeah, I think this this one feels like it should definitely be at, like, 226 and a half or so, maybe a little bit more. Maybe they're, they're worried about the way that, you know, Udoka is trying to, like, play some defense. But we saw the Spurs and the Rockets go go comfortably over this uh, number as well. So uh, I, I like this idea of a similarly styled team in Charlotte getting up and down with LaMelo, scoring some points in this one. Going to another total here that is interesting now. It's Golden State and it's Sacramento, and it's at 228 and a half. And I'm taking the under here. I'm going to throw three quarters of a unit on it indicating that that last quarter of a unit that is not a, making it that would make it a full unit that I'm taking off is kind of you know indicative of of the slight lack of confidence that I have compared to the fact that this thing opened at 234 and a half and that's really where I'm coming from is like it it, it lost some the the juice it lost its value to where from where it started I still think it's a pretty good bet because these two teams without Deer and Fox playing in this series it's just a lot more unders. It's really what it comes down to. So I, I do want to shamelessly say that, like, if you're following on Twitter and stuff like that, like I'm putting stuff out early so that we can follow all these really crazy movements and injury news and all that kind of stuff uh, together and, and keep staying ahead of it. Because I was on this before the total came out. I was like, if this is at 230 and a half, I'm taking the under. It opened at 234 and a half. So I hit it. And now at 228 and a half, I still think there's some value. So getting into the why real quick. Without Fox, we're talking about Sacramento playing nine games with him in the regular season last year when he got injured towards the end. Um, and what that meant for them was going from playing at 100 pace normally with him to a 97 pace. They scored 122 points per game with Fox in 73 games before he got hurt. And then they, they scored 109 points per game without him to finish the regular season. Same concept in, in the postseason where obviously things get a little bit tighter, uh, but they still did regress in, in pace. And after the first uh, two games of that series against well, the first game, really, in that series against the, the Warriors, everything slowed back down. So uh, the, the one of the games that, that they were without Fox included the 119-97 loss to Golden State last April. And that's a little bit of what I'm worried about for, for them is that they do they like even if they give up some threes and they try to keep uh, some pace with Malik Monk in there, who who's a decent substitute for Fox, obviously, in the way that he plays as well, even a better shooter than Fox uh, from from deep, if not from mid range. Either way, like it's just not the same offense with all-star clutch player of the year, De'Aaron Fox in there. And that's why the 119-97 loss is like similar to what I'm feeling. Even if the dubs get like 120 in this game, I still think that they're capable of keeping the uh, the Kings to, to below uh, 110, 111 in, in this scenario. The dubs at home, it's just a better t defense. We know 108 defensive rating at home last year versus 118 on the road. Already starting off with a good defensive rating on the road versus the Pellies, only giving up 102 points in that blowout. But they still didn't, um, the Pellies didn't start Brandon Ingram, as we know, which really screwed our bet up, uh, which was a big part of all that with their offense. Obviously, Trey uh, Murphy's still not in there for the Pellies. It's going to be the similar type of thing, I think, for for the Kangs without, without um, Fox in there. As, as good as Sabonis is in, in the regular season against this team, I still think that they're going to have trouble scoring all around. Yeah, I mean, when you play Davion Mitchell instead of Fox, you're right. going to have better defense and, and the lack of offensive presence. I mean, the concern I have is that Keegan Murray is making that leap. 
and he might be able to take on an increased usage rate. And Malik Monk is a, a boom bust guy. Um, and the Kings are just so good overall on offense, but I, I think your logic is, is good here that the Warriors are playing well on both sides, that Draymond should be in there. Yep. It is the third game in yep. four nights for the dubs. Right. Um, but they still, they go under at a 53% clip the last two seasons with a rest disadvantage <clears throat> and under at a 58% clip at home. So take yep. that for what you will. Yep. Yeah, and just and just to yeah, let you sit your, your tea real quick, I would also just say Fox is the one man fast break, right? So like that that's a right. huge part of the pace right there. Yes, thank you. Um, so I'm gonna take Denver. I mean, you might be stepping in it here at minus two and a half at Minnesota, and we were basically on opposite sides on Friday, where Josh wanted to take the champs at Memphis. I said five minus five and a half. I think it was at the time is too much. They won by four. Um, this to me, I think is as much about how bad Minnesota is from a chemistry standpoint, from a home court standpoint at this point, but it's also about Denver just being incredible. Um, it, it is a packed schedule, which is why I think that people are, are kind of looking at the big picture and not, it, this number has not gone up. I thought it would be up by four and a half by now. Um, but Denver, they do have a back to back on Friday, Saturday, both at home. Uh, they have five games in seven nights you know, altogether this week. So it's it's a pretty crazy schedule. And last year they lost badly at Minnesota twice because both times they were coming off double-digit wins at home. Uh, big win over Boston. And then the second time they were in the exact same situation after beating Atlanta, they just rested everybody and lost by like 30. So, I mean, I don't think there's anything to indicate they're resting anybody. The The champs have been incredibly healthy to start the season. They have no issues. And they've just been shutting down stars, right? I mean, AD, scoreless. Bain, 4 for 17. Shai, the worst performance in two years for Shai Gilles-Alexander. Marketing played all right, inefficiently. Um, they shut down Jordan Clarkson, for what it's worth. Um, I mean, for what it's worth is you got a shooting guard right now in Anthony Edwards, who is the key to Minnesota because their front court chem chemistry is an absolute mess, as we know, with Cat and Gobert. Uh, you know, and now you have Aaron Gordon on cat, which is kind of a different matchup than in the past where cat had some success against Jokic. Cause he's a little bit quicker. Um, now, now Jokic is on Gobert, Gordon on cat. I, I don't think we're going to see that much there. And, and what we saw from Atlanta, right. Was that once they calmed down and they completely climbed back into that game, I think turned like a 15 point deficit into like a double digit win. The vibes are not good in Minnesota. Um, I mean, they're 29th in attendance for first for to talk about first things um, through through a couple games, and it's because they're they're scoring only 104 points per game. It's because these chemistry issues. You see, Cat loafing, not getting back on defense. They're giving up the most fast break points per game at this point. They are 29th in scoring in the second half after that second half collapse against Atlanta. Um, last year, they did not really bounce back after a loss. They were under 500 after loss and, and 17 and 33 on equal rest. Um, so I, I will take the champs here. I don't think they're going to go 82 and 0, but they can start five and 0 here. And, um, you know, they probably drop one of these two games over the weekend, but I, I think they can handle Minnesota here. <clears throat> all, all your logic is sound. Um, the the two main points that I would make against it are basically the matchup, just the the, hist the history of in, including like 
what felt like a playoff series that Denver took lightly and barely, barely tried in. I mean, Minnesota looked terrible in that first game. So that was already just a, a, a did forfeit basically. And Denver didn't have to try too hard, but I just, I do like the way that Minnesota has played Denver causing problems with the ability to throw both Nas Reed and Rudy Gobert and whatever you want to say about cat down there as well. Uh, McDaniels is going to play in this game also helping their defense. So like, you know, they're, they're, this is a good matchup plus the trends, which do with that, what you will just in terms of Denver as a, a road favorite, not covering very often uh, to the tune of like not covering like the spread by four points per game in those situations. The wolves very good as a home dog, 12 and six against the spread last season, uh, covering this that by the same almost number no spread so like, is, is my point. Thank you for making my point. If it was minus four and a right. half, I would have concern. I, <laughs> 57 and 21 straight up as right. favorites though you're totally right and that's why i'm i'm rescinding my poo-poo of your pick because of the number which which is what we were we both said the same thing i i said that yesterday once again on twitter getting early to these things that was the other play that i was talking about was denver opened at minus one and a half it shot up to denver minus four and I was thinking it was going to keep shooting up. I think I, th- I thought anybody who doesn't really know much is going to get on there and bet the the, the Nuggets and just see a, a little number under five number for the Nuggets to win a basketball game and just blindly hit it. And then that would keep bringing it up. And then once it got to five, I was like, wonderful, five, five and a half. That's such a great number where I think that's like right above what Denver is likely to win by. I think we're getting great value at like five, especially five and a half. It didn't keep going. People, the the Sharps were were on a little bit of what we're both saying, which is if it gets too high, the value is completely gone and it starts to shift towards Minnesota. But it didn't go there. It's still at two and a half. And so there's still value on it. And I I don't know how much it's going to move at this point because people have had plenty of time to bet it. So I agree that that two and a half is still good value in this situation. Denver is, is well rested enough after at least one day off. Um, and just, yeah, like you said, things are, are vibes are not high. I'm getting texts from Minnesota Timberwolves friends that are not in a good place right now. So I, I would agree with all of that. Uh, let me close out our best bets here. Talking about the bulls and the Mavs and because Kyrie is out, I would like to hash this out with you really quickly on air. And then uh, we can, we can get this graphic information over to Jack. So you can put it in the video, which is Dallas, Chicago over two twenty four and a half, and a half or Chicago plus five and a half. I'll let you answer that first before I say anything. I would, I, I mean, can we tease? Can we tease? I'm always down for a tease plus nine and a half and are. get the over down a little bit. I'm j- the only thing that gives me reluctance is that you just tried to take an over with Chicago in Indiana, basically the the Dallas version of the Eastern Conference team that will inflate yeah. totals and score a ton. Um, and now, you know, is Chicago going to stamp down the pace, play pretty good defense and, and make this more of a half court game? Um, but I, I, I think, you know, if you tease it, then you're in a better spot. I agree. I think over 220 is totally doable you're right um but i think at the end of the day i'm just all the numbers are a little bit stronger to push me towards plus five and a half for chicago without Kyrie in the situation like if Kyrie was in this game there's probably at least three points added to that total um at least and and then you're also uh talking about this spread maybe being even a little bit more inflated Zach Levine was uh, is likely to play. It looks like he was at shoot around at practice and, and everything this morning. So he's going to be in the game for Chicago and their ability to slow down point guards on the other team, which 
you're not you're, you don't have to slow down Luca. He plays at his own pace. Luca does Luca no matter what, right? He's he's playing the game in his own style at, at his own uh like I said leisure and pace. So like he's going to do him, but without Kyrie, you've now inserted a plus defender instead of him on top of the fact that you're not you're playing with someone that's not going to just go out and take two guys on in the fast break, right? So I think that all of that said, like the total starts to scare me because even if Luca puts up what should be the 39 points a game that he's averaging right now. Um, if he even, even if he does put that up and he hits five ish threes, I mean, he's making six a game, but that's on 12 attempts. So if he's going to keep shooting 50% from three, I, this is just a team that, that you don't do that as much against. That's going to be how they continue to play this year. Even though Kobe White's starting Caruso's still getting in there for key minutes. Um, and, and they do have some decent defenders, even in Pat Williams to be able to like slow down the, the type of the style that, which is just a lot of threes. It's a lot of Luca and threes it, that hasn't changed. Um, and it's not going to change even without Kyrie. It's just, I think the scoring is going to go down. So the the other thing is once again the trends chicago does cover in this situation dallas does not cover in this situation home favorite versus road dog um everyone likes to count out chicago because they think well this is such a soft jump shooting team they're not going to be as good on the road it's like no they're they're kind of gritty there's just a there's a little bit more nastiness to them than you realize and with as long as they have their two guards able to score and keep them in the game in the style of play that they have then i'm i'm, I'm fine with with taking them plus five and a half and, and i'm going to make that the bet because like i said they're their 111 D rating they have uh, is is really good uh, despite the fact that they're only scoring 105 points per game uh they're only giving up 108 so I, I think that they do they do kind of without Kyrie they're able to trump what Dallas wants to do and as a result I think they keep it within six points yeah I like I like your resolve there I mean the thing that Jason Kidd says we're very comfortable playing in the 120s that probably references to when he has his full team but Chicago, you know, might be like, well, let's make them uncomfortable by playing this game in the 100s and, and try to keep it close down the stretch. I will say my most confident look at this game is DeMar DeRozan, 21 points. That's going to lead player props here uh, because we're t- probably talking about a half-court close game down the stretch because we're talking about Zach Levine not necessarily being fully healthy and, and because it's just a small number for DeRozan, who's had 20 points every game this season. The Bulls right now still a little bit of wait-and-see mode um, after their rough start to the season, but then they bounce back and beat Indy uh, with Vooch getting on track. Um, so, yeah, we'll we'll see if the offense can really start cooking for them. They, they have had success against Dallas, though, as you mentioned, um, in, in these higher-scoring games. Nate, let's run into your first uh, NBA play, a prop for tonight. Uh, friend of the show, favorite here, DDR. Yeah, we're going back to an old favorite. But before I do that, I think you need to adjust the record um, because our Wemby over three and a half turnovers bet for plus money smashed five turnovers again. I was trying to talk you off of the under on his rebounds and take the over on the turnovers. Hopefully you guys listened to the end yesterday because that turned out to be the most profitable bet on the slate as we missed missed, uh, by rebounds and assists on one on the the other two props. But we're going straight points yep. here for DDR. 20 and a half is the points. I would put a unit and a half on it if you feel confident um, in a matchup with Dallas, which, you know, is is a team that has been incredibly high scoring since Kyrie joined the fold. Kyrie's out tonight, I think, which makes it more of a half-court game. Um, yep. And it's more about who left with the Kyrie trade, DFS, so that the Dallas has a terrible defensive rating. Since then, uh, this year, they're 20th in defensive rating, 23rd in points allowed, 
first in offensive rating with Luca Killen on the other end. So it's it's a half court battle. I I you know I say Engard with DDR um, being the guy who's going to match points with you, Luca, and he's averaged twenty five and a half in his twelve career matchups with Luca. He's averaged um, twenty seven and a half versus Western Conference teams since joining the Bulls. So I mean, take that for what you will. That's a fifty two game sample size. Yeah, I mean, he did go for twenty eight on just thirteen field goal attempts the last time he played Dallas, and that was when they had Finney Smith and Bullock. They had guys to throw at him. He's had 20 points in all four games this season, despite the Bulls being the worst offense in the league, I think, through their first two or three games. And despite Zach Levine going clean off for 50 in one of those games, DDR still got his points. Um, so, I mean, he's one of the most reliable scorers out there. The Mavs don't have an experienced defender to throw at him. Josh Green is athletic, but not, not experienced. Um, so I will take him in this game state to get at least 21. With it. Yeah, let's go. I mean, this is this is a, a, a game that is probably still going to be a little bit choppier, but like, whatever. That's not how Demar needs to. Demar doesn't need the, the pace to be smooth and fast for him to score. It's going to be both guys on both sides playing a similar style. Luca doing whatever he wants from whatever spot on the court he wants. Demar getting to his spots and and taking his time to get exactly what he wants as well. And then you throw in Levine and all the three-point shooters around uh, Luca and like yeah, this is going to be I think like we both said a solid like a close game down the stretch and who gets the ball in those situations. So, um my first pick is one that you threw out there and and we were both like haggling about well haggling whatever. We were we were sort of just going back and forth about this uh Wizards and and Hawks game because the Hawks were a good bet. To, to, to score a ton of points. And I think they're still going to score a bunch of points, but Trey's probably not playing. Interestingly, there was like a, there was a, a, a picture of him at sky zone jumping around on trampolines that came out like a little bit before the injury report. <laughs> that He was questionable with an Achilles bad look NBA figure it out. Uh, but either way, I don't think he plays. If you're going to list him on there, questionable with an Achilles. And now you've got DeJounte Murray who, stole the show the other night when the Hawks did come back against the Timberwolves, which we spoke about in best bets a little bit. He had what 39 to end that game. He's at 19 and a half points likely without Trey, even if Trey was in there, apparently like Quinn Snyder's telling DJM to go get his as well. So uh, I really, I really like the the confidence that he's, that he's just sort of like going with. He's not really trying to uh, to turn to, to Trey in any way. With or without him, I'm, I'm good with it. But versus a, a Washington team that, all right, I mean, we're talking about number one in pace and next to last in, in defensive rating, which is just such a great recipe for your opponent to score a ton of points. A little bit inflated by the Celtics, but by like the third quarter, the Celtics were playing their backups, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so it's not like the uh, the Wizards were, were doing anything against quality competition. They were still giving up points in the second half to a, a team that was full of you know reserves, which... By the way, those reserves on the Celtics might be about as good as the starters right now for the Wizards at times. So uh, that's going to be the case here for the Hawks. There's always the blowout possibility that you worry about in this game. Um, but I think without Trey and the fact that like this Hawks defense also looks really freaking bad right now, man, um, it's it's going to be a problem that they're going to need to figure out. Or I'm not sure that Quinn Snyder is even going to be good enough to uh, to turn things around with the roster that he has. So uh, the the uh, the Wizards, just to really hammer home the point how bad they are, they allow the most assists per game to shooting guards, which will be DJM will be the point guard and shooting guard. He can do whatever he wants when Trey's not on the floor. He'll be just the, the guard um, and the sixth most uh, assists per 
game to, to point guards, but um, uh, the, all the assists and points that are coming their way, uh, all the points that are coming away the, the way of their opponent are usually by assists because of just lackluster defense there from the Wizards, no effort. So the, the 20 points for DJM, he should be good to get that by like the third quarter, man. But uh, either way, I don't think it'll be as big of a blowout as we necessarily think without Trey uh, and, and the bad defense Atlanta, which should help us keep the, the game script sort of neutral for the Hawks, if you will. Are you reading this the right way that it will be less of a blowout if if Trey Young um I mean that it will be more of a blowout? I I think Trey Young would actually keep this game closer by playing no defense. Um he really? does have props up. I think he might actually play. His prop is 25 and a half points. Um so it it it's intriguing. I mean there's a lot of moving parts is why I got off this pick. <clears throat> um but I I do think yeah, I mean either way the Wizards are gonna are are, are totally Washington, if you will. Um, they they nice. seem to be packing it in um, really early. Jordan Poole just taking some insanely bad shots, and that will deflate your entire roster. So they could get blown out if you are if you are taking that read. I think you could take the under on trade points. Um, I think you could instead look at things like Jalen Johnson's stocks, which is heavily juiced for him to get three. He's had two in every single game this season. Um, and just, you know, taking advantage of the messy, gross, fast-paced offense that the Washington Wizards put out there. Uh, but I do hope DJM... Can, can, can I say something real quick? You're, you're, talking about, you're, you're talking about Trey Young not, like, maybe playing, maybe not. Seems worth it to just hit the under now uh, on, on his points. And even if he gets in the game, and he might not even finish it to the point yeah. of the game. Yeah, I mean, if 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 you and if he doesn't play, then you you just get your stake returned. So, sure, yeah. go for it under twenty five yeah. and a half. Um, yeah. I'm going to take it under here on Josh Giddey, fifteen and a half points, expensive fifteen and a half, or you can get about even money if you add his points, if if you add his rebounds and assists at twenty seven and a half, which is a little scarier for a guy who can who can put up heavy peripherals. But the matchup against New Orleans is tough. I mean, they held him to. Under four assists with 3.8 turnovers in his four meetings last season. New Orleans, very good defensively, were first in defensive rating before they got stepped on in their last game. Now they're ninth. Uh, but they did hold Brunson to four for 14 shooting. They allow the eighth fewest assists and six fewest rebounds to point guards this season. Pretty much congruent with what they did all last season. Um, I mean, Herb Jones might be on shy, but they have quality defenders elsewhere to deploy a giddy. And, you know, I, I mean, you've seen him kind of shrink, shrink away this season, um, in, in tougher matchups. I mean, this is an incredibly small sample size, so I, I won't even like go through it. Uh, but I think what you're seeing is, is the usage, the assist usage dropping a little bit, uh, with Jalen Williams continuing to ascend and with Chet, getting in there, right? I mean, Chet is a guy who's who's rebounding and pushing and facilitating. Those are the kind of things that Giddy used to do as a, an extremely tall point guard, right? Um, so he's not getting the opportunity to get those boards and assists like he was last year. Per 36, he's down three and a half points, three, 3.3 assists, 3.3 rebounds. So that, you take away kind of the uh, blowout factor against Denver last time <clears throat> and say, you know, just in general, He's not been as productive in those minutes uh, because I think, you know, maybe Chet being that difference. So his assist rate is down from 30% to 24%. So I think you can take the under on his peripherals here. Hope for New Orleans to bounce back after a, a pretty bad defensive performance on Monday night and be that 
defensive team we saw earlier. Probably. Um, interestingly, like the Pellies owned them last year, so that's relevant to me. Uh, I, I don't know if I'm. I, I stayed away from this game in general because I didn't know if I wanted to use that to say that the Thunder were new and improved and had like a new arsenal of weapons that they were going to bring to the table, being like, "All right, you beat us, beat up on us last year. Well, we're going to beat back up on you now that we're back to full health with our, you know, full just squadron." But I also don't know if maybe there's just something to the fact that like the the Pellies have have their number in some way and have the the tools to sort of slow down what they do. Either way, like I, I don't know where it's the, the it's going to get funneled out, like in terms of the pressure and where where the usage is going to sort of get funneled onto the and dispersed among the the OKC players. Um, but to your point, like Giddy points specifically does seem like something that you can take advantage of right now, the way that um, th- you might be onto something with, with, with Chet being in there and the way that he sort of does some of the similar stuff that Giddy does. So we'll, we'll see. I'm still sort of eyeing that team, although obviously I'm just going to keep saying the Thunder uh, to, to win and, and find value on them. But uh, I'm going to f- close things out with... I feel like a, a Nate style same game parlay going on here that I got on FanDuel because I wanted to find a way to take advantage of Cade Cunningham in this Detroit and P- Portland game. And I wanted to find a way to take advantage of DeAndre Ayton because it doesn't look like Jalen Duran is playing for the Pistons. And we should just quickly shout out that Jalen Duran is playing like a, you know, all NBA center this year. I'm not, I'm not even joking uh, in, in the East right now. Like he's amongst the tops in, in rebounds in the league, uh, as well as defensive rating, uh, d- not allowing points in the paint. Detroit is uh, limiting opposing centers to the tune of like the fifth least points, bottom 10 in rebounding as well. So like he's awesome and he's probably not playing, which means Marvin Bagley was was sort of quote-unquote, taking reps with the first squad in practice, according to the beat writers out there in Detroit. And that is a turnstile in in a man's body, so in like a six-foot-ten form, basically. So you, you can go ahead and feel better about Aiden, who is averaging 15 rebounds a game. He's not even averaging 10 points. He's averaging nine, but he's averaging 15 rebounds per game. So, like, he's getting closer to dominating. He's certainly not dominating, but he's getting closer because of how much he's dominating the glass. And it just speaks to the fact that Jeremy Grant is allergic to the paint. So there's nobody else getting rebounds for this Portland Trailblazers team, which is like guards, a, a Matisse Thibel and Jeremy Grant, and then DeAndre Ayton, right? So like that's that's who's rebounding for this team. That's why he keeps doing that. Without Jalen Duran, the, the rebounds are kind of low for him. So uh, it's been up on the screen if you're watching, but just so to, to lay it out, I'm going Cade's 15 points and six assists, eight and eight boards, and that gets you parlayed together, gets you plus 111 on FanDuel. Three quarters of a unit on that uh, as well. Um, Cade's averaging 21 and seven and a half, and now he's coming in to play a backcourt that consists of Anthony Simons, Scoot Henderson, and Shaden Sharp. As athletic as Shaden Sharp is, he's not, you know, he hasn't practiced his defensive slide drill in a while. Let's put it that way. So I think you can easily get uh, Cade. In, is Cade's just going to get to his spots? He's much bigger and better than all of those guys. None of them will probably be guarding him until he gets them switched onto him, um, and then he'll just barbecue. It's just barbecue chicken time at that point for for Cade. Uh, I think he's going to be able to do whatever he wants. So the points could be there. I think the assist definitely will be there because he's going to be able to get whatever he wants in the paint, and then he'll just be feeding guys 
to finish off uh, from from where he is. So I, I do think the six assists is good. I'll take the 15 points down from what he's at, like 20 is his core line in this game. But I'll take it down to 15. Eight and the eight rebounds, like I said, without Jalen Duran in there um, and, and, and the fact that there's not going to be that one defensive center because now it's either Marvin Bagley, maybe you get a little Wiseman in there. Beef Stew's not necessarily taking on um, De- DeAndre Ayton in this matchup. And even if he does, I still think with the, the clear height advantage for Ayton, he is just boarding up super well down low, especially on the offensive side. So um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and run with this one for, for plus money with the three little uh, reduced lines here for these guys. These guys. Yeah, Jeremy Grant thinks he's a shooting guard, so it is four four guards alongside Aiton. And Rob Williams appears to already kind of be on ice as they await a trade partner, I think, for him. And so Aiton, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, he got what he wished for, which is to just be the franchise center, uh, and he's on a bad team. So there should be plenty of rebounds available in this bad matchup. I think you're being a little conservative with Cade. Yeah, to go 15 points when his prop is 20 and a half, but... If you if you guys feel a little more bullish to take twenty plus, I would look for eighteen plus. DraftKings is a little more flexible in terms of how many points you can put yep. Yep. in the in the parlay. Um, so I would I would look around eighteen and six or seven for Cade. And you're not scared of the assists either. No, I don't think so. I mean, the Pistons have plenty of rim running centers. It's not like with Duran out, um, Cade can't keep getting his assists. Like he's he's a great facilitator. He'll be able to throw. Even Wiseman can finish a perfect lob from Cade uh, Cunningham. <laughs> good call. Good call. Word, yeah. Well, we're going get to get to step in here on these play-up props here tonight for you guys. So feeling pretty good about them. That's all the time we have for you in this one. Continue to follow along. Like this video. Subscribe to the page if you would. We'll keep bringing you this heat each and every weekday this season. And until we talk to you next, happy betting. Let's go. Let's go.